I know nothing. What do I know? I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I didn't grow up with a lot of a lot of siblings that were younger than me. I didn't have a lot of cousins that were younger than me. So I'm not a person that grew up around a lot of y younger kids. Or like when I was 13, there were a lot of I had to babysit my four-year-old. Like it wasn't like that. God bless the PhDs. I, I listened to a couple podcasts just to see what kind of things are out there, and and they're all great. So I thought, do I have to have a PhD to do a podcast? And I and so I, I got a PhD. Uh, I got my first PhD four and a half years ago, uh, when my first daughter Emmy was born, and then I got my I got a second PhD um, two years ago when my second daughter Story was born. Both both names came from my amazing wife. So I have the PhDs now. I don't know if that gives me any kind of accreditation or a legitimacy for people to want to listen more to me. I don't know. But, but um, you know, I am a, a parent having daughters, you know, PhD, parent having daughters. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. But see, I liked, I'm a bit, was always a big fan of dumb jokes before I was a dad. And now I have like a, Right, I'm not only allowed, I'm supposed to make dumb jokes, dad jokes. Anyway, so I'm a person having daughters, but but I feel any accreditation that you have, uh, you'll identify uh, with with a lot of the things I, I'm talking about. So if you're if you're a PhB, uh, if you have a PhB, a parent having boys, or A A G, a person parent having all genders of children. That's easy. Let's just do that. But all joking aside, um, as great as the PhD people are that have real PhDs and stuff, and they also have kids too, right? So they have their own person, personal experience and they have their PhD experience. Listening to these, and again, whatever, the podcasts are great. If they work, they all sound great. But the problem is then, then I get angry at myself for not being able to do that stuff in the moment. Why am I so defective that and, and awful and suck as a parent that I can't? that I get angry, make that angry face at my daughter. Of course, it's on a sliding scale. Some people are way worse and get more angry. Some people don't get angry at all. I don't know those people. Those, but that's how they describe it on in all the books, the podcasts, all the, sh the stuff about parenting. So is that I'm supposed to be calm and understand all this stuff that she's a little four-year-old, she's watching TV, her brain can only functions for so many things. The problem with that is it's like, is if I'd never been in a war before and some some of the people teaching me how to be in a war came into my living room, my warm living room with a beautiful fire in the fireplace and it's and there's nice music on, it's calm, it's quiet in there. And it's uh, it's like, I don't know, they're really sweet, kind, nice people and they're saying, okay, so here's what happens in a war. They're going to be people and they and they put up little, I don't know, fuzzy like those people that are into furries, whatever you call them, like fake people that are little nice teddy bears. And they and they're feeding me chocolate cake and they say, OK, so you'll be eating chocolate cake. And then you're going to see some people and they're going to be these furry people and they're not your friend, maybe. So you say to them, hi, friend, I know that you don't feel like a friend to me. But let's try to figure out things um, by talking about it. And then we can find a common ground and um, we can either learn to be friends or if not friends, at least we can agree to disagree and have nice lives. It'd be like if that's how you learn to be in a war. 
And then they come the day you're supposed to go to war and they like, and the, the real Marines grab you and put you in a Humvee or whatever and take you to the airport and fly you over, put a parachute on you and hand you real guns, right? And they're screaming at you, go, 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 go. And you jump out of the airplane that you've never jumped out before. You have no idea what to do. They're like, pull the, pull the string. You're like, where's the string? I don't know where the string is. <clears throat> you're searching, you're falling down at a billion miles an hour. Earth is coming. You're going to slam on the earth. You're about to splatter to death and you finally, you're grabbing at anything you can find. Finally, you find something to pull. You pull it and the parachute opens. You're like, oh, thank God I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. But then you hit the ground really hard because you didn't pull it fast enough and you break two of your legs. Compound fractures. Your bones are sticking out. You're bleeding out. You, you remember from like Boy Scouts or something, a tourniquet, so you rip your, and there's guns. People are running at you, firing now, and bullets are going, and you get shot in the one arm that you're trying to get the tourniquet on. And, they, and you, you rip a tourniquet, and you, and you wrap it around your bleeding legs. You can't walk. Luckily, when the, the people are coming to shoot you, but someone grabs you from your own side, a Marine, and, and, and they're firing, and they make the enemies duck down behind trees because they're firing at them and they pull you to safety and you're in it. And that's really what a war is like. And you're like, wait a minute. What I was taught a war is like is being in a, in a beautiful living room in an old farmhouse with a beautiful fire being fed chocolate cake by um, my beautiful wife and the people I have to fight against are just nice, big teddy bears. And we just talk about things. And the Marine is like, well, I don't know where you got that, buddy. But that's not what's happening here. As evidence of your two legs that have your femur sticking out of them and your right arm that's shot, you're bleeding out. And if you're lucky, you won't die today. And if uh, if we're able to patch you up, then you're, we're going to send you back out there. And you're going to have to deal with those people coming with bayonets to stab and shoot you. That's what it feels like when I listen and read and talk about how to be a parent based on all the books and the podcasts and the stuff. I love my kids. Listen, I have a huge capacity for love and, and tapping into my emotion. I'll cry at like good commercials. I've always been like that. I have no problem tapping into my emotion. And so I always felt like I loved big, right? And I had a really good sense of how big er that love for kids would be. And my friends would say, "Yeah, that may be true, Eric. Yeah, you're you're you have a big ability to to get in touch with love, but even you don't have a clue of how much you will love them, of what the love's like." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know." And you know what? They're totally right. The the kind the love it's I'm decent with words, and there's plenty of other people better than me at words. Um, there's no words. I guarantee you. It's the biggest love. It's the most all-encompassing. I'll start crying right now just thinking about it, talking about it. The love that I feel for my kids and and is so immense. Uh, so that's the headline. And that has to be the headline because biology made it that way and whatever spirits you believe or don't believe in if it's not biology, beyond biology made it that way. So that in the, those moments when they're screaming at two in the morning and they're infants and the screams are piercing in your brain, 
like you want to die that um, when that stops and they look at you and smile, that all washes away and you want to be with them and love them and take care of them. Because if you didn't feel that way, <clears throat> there'd be no humans, right? Because no parents would be able to handle it. Mm -hmm.